Hello, 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 guys. Welcome to this new edition of Mind Podcast. This is Adit Kapadia, and together with me, I have my friend, columnist, uh, fellow fellow podcaster. Now I can officially say because not only has he come on Mind Podcast, but Ashish Chandrakar is uh, regularly uh, on the Bharatvarta podcast that him and Roshan Karipa uh, uh, run, and they have fantastic discussions on that. He's a columnist for Swarajya, Mint, various uh, various portals. I uh, what I do is I just follow. Ashish on Twitter, and I know when his next column is going to be published, so I can read it. But um, but we've we, we've made this into at least a biannual or an annual experience where we have Ashish on, and we have a wide ranging discussion on like various subjects. So welcome to Mind Podcast, Ashish. Yeah, th- thanks, Adit. Uh, it's good to be back here. Absolutely, absolutely. The, the goal is that we should have you do at least more episodes of Mind than you are on, on Bharat Varta, and then yeah, yeah, of course, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no. Uh, but but do do guys do do check out do check out they do some great work there at Bharatwarta. So uh, great to have you here. And it's been a very uh, uh, tumultuous week, right? In terms of uh, if you if you talk about covering of India, like news junkies like us, like us, because we normally focus on policy, politics, and things like that. And there hasn't been policy paralysis. There hasn't been any political uplifting <coughs> yet. This whole farmer march has created into almost a paralysis of governance on state side near Delhi and Punjab, where this is happening, where they are staging blockades and blockades and all. And we'll talk about the farmers' protest in uh, in a few minutes. But first, I want to talk to Ashish about why this happened, and that happened because of some large-scale agricultural reforms led by the Modi government, uh, as restructured of you know, the APMC and everything, which was placed by people like Ashok Gulati. Sujit Palla, many economists. So, Ashish, if you can give our folks a little bit of background on that, and then we'll go on to the current what's happening right now. Yeah, sure, Adit. So, let me start, remind us a little bit, okay? Uh, let's start in May of this year, which is when the PM and the finance minister were making the announcements pertaining to Atmanirbhar Bharat. This was in the wake of the pandemic, and the ask was that government would deliver a certain fiscal stimulus and reforms. And that, that's when on 15th of May, in a series of announcements, yeah. The government had come up with four different things with respect to agriculture. Absolutely. The, the first one was that the government will invest up to one lakh crores in farm gate infrastructure, uh, which would mean creating logistics facilities, transportation, post harvest management, etc. All of that kind of stuff. Right. The second was that the government will abolish the Essential Commodities Act or ECA hmm. uh, for most commodities. So basically, the rules around holding of Agriculture commodity, uh, uh, you know, who can who can create a warehouse and put things in in that warehouse, etc. The stock limits, export limits, all of that will go away largely. Uh, and this was this was quite significant because, as we know, governments in India have fallen over the price of onion uh, in the past. So, uh, government saying that we will not regulate the price of prices of onion was actually a fairly significant uh, measure hmm. or significant announcement, not not yet a measure uh, in in, the, in its fullest sense. Then the government said that they will. Uh, create a structure to bypass the existing APMCs or Agriculture Produce Market Committees, hmm. which are governed by the state uh, states, right. and uh, let let farmers allow interstate trade uh, hmm. without the need of having to go to APMCs. In, uh, to, and it also came with the riders that anyone can create a market yard, a, a, a warehouse, and and a, all of this can be declared as mandis, hmm. where, where government where farmers can go and sell their uh, their uh, 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 
you know uh, perishable commodities or, or other crops where a lot of things was controlled by the middlemen also right exactly we'll, we'll come to that i think uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll 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 talk about that a little Sorry, bit but, i didn't mean to interrupt you go on yeah no worries no worries so uh, so that that is one and the fourth part was of course that the government will create a legal structure to allow aggregators large buyers retailers and 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 sellers to buy directly from the farmer they don't have to go by this the so called mandi structure or uh, uh, they they can directly enter into contracts with the farmers correct now all of this was already put into an ordinance on june 4th of correct. this year so 15 20 days after 20 days after this was announced so these laws other have been in, already been in place for the last 6 months okay yeah. Uh, 6-7 months now, basically. Uh, they, they were gazetted soon after the president gave the approval. What happened in September uh, this month, in September 27th, September, I think, was when the government actually legislated this bill because all ordinances have to be uh, you know, put through the parliament uh, in 6 in, in months to okay. basically make uh, them into laws. Okay. Uh, of course, otherwise, the ordinance have to be promulgated again or they lapse. So, okay. uh, on 27th September, two bills were passed, uh, which was the farmer's produce uh, trade and commerce promotion and facilitation bill which was essentially around uh, the interstate trade uh, and uh, uh, the the fact that the apmcs were no longer mandatory mm-hmm. then there was farmers empowerment and protection agreement of price assurance and farm services bill which was around the contract farming large mm-hmm. large buyers etc and of course the uh, the essential commodities act uh, uh, which was uh, amended and uh, that uh, i mean the, the the changes which were proposed were essentially uh, put through in, in the act so all of this happened after, like six or let's say five months after uh, the laws actually being in force right and uh, uh, and and uh, there was no opposition why hmm. through june till september end but uh, the political uh, part of course you know i mean maybe the maybe the there were there were there weren't enough number of trades also if you read some news reports in financial express by one journalist nanda kasabe who writes very uh, lucidly on indian agriculture she has been hinting that in states like maharashtra this had already taken shape i mean this has already this has already put some impact on in the mandis which is that the 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 volume of commodities in mandis had already declined even through june july august so things were already changing but i think something triggered politically in in september when the uh, when the when the bills were presented in the parliament and that is when the sad walked out uh, uh, you know opposing the, uh, the the bills and they walked out of the nda itself uh, the the longest uh, ally of the government so uh, i think the 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 way it appears is that while the changes have already been in place the opposition is largely political uh, there are of course going to be some issues and we can discuss those issues but uh, i think the politics right now seems to be much more prominent than the actual impact Absolutely. of the actual negative impact of the bill of the so bills. so it's it's interesting that shiromani akali dal uh, is what Ash, uh, ashish was referring to where hatimrat kaur badal was a minister uh, or chose this moment to leave the government right i mean we could see that actually sad was becoming sort of a liability for bjp in punjab itself because it was quite unpopular with the corruption allegations and so forth but they did not seem to have the an issue when earlier these these uh, legislations were talked about right they only seemed to have start started having an issue in september so um so clearly that that was the case the second thing was right now you see the farmers are marching uh, who i think they are from punjab up rajasthan 
parts of Haryana and Delhi, I think. Um, so Punjab similar, uh, basically seems to have the most sort of things. And Amrindar Singh has said th- certain things. But you have also have opportunistic cases where Aap Delhi has sort of uh, supported these laws or, and Aap Punjab is speaking in another line or something like that. So uh, explain that dichotomy, right? That what the hell is happening? Are, are are these laws actually being celebrated by parties who have nothing to lose politically? And then a parties who think they might lose are suddenly being, oh, these laws are anti-farmer. So I saw a news report yesterday which said that AAP had already notified these laws in the state uh, on 23rd of November. Wow. Uh, but a week later, they said they are saying that they will, you know, help the farmers uh, by giving them food, etc., giving <laughs> them shelter on the highways. So I think, of course, politics always wins in India in that sense. Um, And uh, I think political parties also know that good economics is also important. So they basically first do the right thing and then they oppose it uh, after having done it themselves. So I think that that, that template seems to be, be, I mean, Haryana is in the same boat in some ways where ultimately the laws were, I mean, uh, let's come to know what the specific issues are, right? So why Punjab and Haryana have kind of got triggered more than other states. So, see, uh, essentially, we know in, in agriculture, the way it works in mandis is that uh, the mandis take a large cut of what's, what, what, what the money which goes to the farmer right. and essentially what the retail prices are. Right. The retail prices start getting jacked up because the mandis impose a lot of fee and levies oh, and, and, right. and so on, right? Right. So, uh, uh, as per various studies, let's say if, if, if I am buying something at a price of X, the farmer may only be getting 15%, 20% of X. Everything else is in the chain, in the value chain. Now, this has uh, resulted in uh, this argument that middlemen are creating a problem. See, middlemen need not be demonized per se. They do play a role in the in the full. I mean, all, all trades have a middleman, right? If you if you buy a soap, even that goes via a series of middlemen. So, so middlemen obviously, the point supply and demand cannot be matched. Uh, and it, it's impractical for the buyer and seller to always be together physically to exchange the goods, mm. right? So you, obviously you need middlemen. So as such, that itself is not a problem. The problem is that the exploitative nature of the monopoly of middlemen. It is not the middlemen per se, it is the structural monopoly which has been handed over to them by the government, which is a major issue. Yeah. Uh, the, the law said that you cannot trade anything outside the APMC. Now, of course, that happens all the time. Uh, but the, a the prices, the minimum support prices are, are not guaranteed when you trade yeah. outside the uh, uh, outside the mandis. Also, traders, the the mandi traders uh, themselves force small farmers to trade outside. So the way used to what middlemen were doing was well, the exploited. Yeah, exactly. So, so what they would do is let's say let's say there's a harvest season. You know that the farm produce cannot stay good for more than say 15 days, 20 days after which it will start rotting. For example, right? right. I mean, it depends on what commodity are you talking about. So, and, and also it is impractical for small farmers to load everything in a tractor, go to the nearest Monday, 30 kilometers away, 50 kilometers away and stay there for, for 20 days, right? So what the traders would do is that they would not buy from the small and the middle, like, you know, like small farmers, small and the marginal farmers. Yeah. They will just say that some technicality is there, weighing machines are not working, mm-hmm. your quality is not the right quality, you know, any kind of nonsense uh, will happen. And they will continue to buy from the large farmers who will get the MSP. Exactly. But when the small farmers turn comes, they are queuing up in a Monday, three days, four days. And when their turn comes, they would just be told that, you know, for X, Y, Z reason, we cannot be uh, buying this. Now, what does a farmer do? The farmer has put a full season into, uh, you know, uh, doing what, what, what the farmer does best, which is to grow the crop, but there's no buyer legally. Right. I mean, 
so either the person illegally sells it out of the mandi or sells the sells the mandi itself but at a lower price right so so the thing is there has been an exploitative nature of this whole trade which comes from the monopoly which has been given to the middleman right that monopoly has now gone away in, with with this farmers the mandis are not gone away hmm. the middlemen have not, are not gone away their monopoly is gone away right. so they are they are protesting against the non monopolization which is actually quite uh, let's say anti market uh, in its in its uh, in its opposition right now politically uh, the the sorry yeah, yeah. no 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 go ahead go ahead I, I i was going to add to what you were saying yeah go ahead yeah no so i was just saying uh, uh, that uh, the apmc structures have never worked very well in most of the countries hmm. uh, in fact the two states where they work very well are punjab and haryana <laughs> and that is so so ironically they are protesting because uh, something is going to change which used to work well and in, to that extent it is a fair argument that you know why should you tinker with something which is working yeah. uh but again the 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 thing is that no one is saying that apmc will not exist the fact is that the the mandi fee in punjab and haryana there was a very good story in economic times by uh, aman sharma uh, around uh, july i think where he mentioned that one reason why the major protests are happening in these two states is because the mandi fee was very high 4% 5% range uh, and uh, the 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 uh, the the fact is that that commission was going to the middlemen the adartias right mm-hmm. and Uh, now if you can bypass that system even if it is not uh, uh, i mean mandis will exist but if if you, if you don't have to go to mandis that that 4 5% commission just goes away which is essentially free cash which was accruing to them so far absolutely absolutely so no, that is the major cause of the issue of the of the protests what what i wanted to add to this was that basically if you look at the whole uh, argument from the sort of the farmers where they talk about ki wto mein humko concession nahi mila you know they uh, some some are saying that uh, there will be too much privatization or that we are uh, have to compete with cheaper import basically they are saying that government should uh, install adequate protection and this is too much free marketism now the irony is that 6 months ago one year ago not the farmers but many uh, intellectuals on tv studios who were standing with the farmers today were saying that modi government is not free market enough so yeah of course yeah so so how do you explain this dichotomy right i mean ultimately there has to be some innovation we cannot just keep in keep encouraging protectionism this is not to suggest that oh farmers ko jo bolna hai wo bolne do we are not saying the government should to you know run a metaphoric tractor through the whole thing we have to like you know balance the interests but i i think this is a fair reform what they have done no of course see again uh, what happens other than the indian political commentary is that a reform means anything which which the government has not done so <laughs> whatever the government has done even if it was a reform 6 months ago st- yeah. stops being a reform as soon as it is done because well it doesn't uh, there's still some things pending right so i think the the uh, what is a reform is a moving target in in indian commentary hmm. so i uh, and uh, as you rightly pointed out people who have been for years uh, tweeting about how india needs free access is a concern are exactly the same people who are not saying not saying farmers do not need farmers need protection they do not need for free markets mm-hmm. so uh, anyway i think that's just the non serious part of the of, of the mm-hmm. commentary which happens yeah. but uh, the the fact is that uh, i think the uh, the biggest announcements were were not just these announcements or something in the budget also to to your point about technology and innovation mm-hmm. uh, in the budget the government had sanctioned 7000 crores for creating 10000 farmer produce organizations so 7000 crores were provided by nabard as loans or other banks through nabard as loans mm-hmm. for uh, farmer uh, fpos so the government had already put in a place a mechanism to for farmers to come together to create a collective 
buying uh, setup hmm. which could be quite professional each fpo could be managed by marketing professionals finance professionals they can apply agri agri tech they could get get you know startups involved all of that hmm. and uh, these uh, you know uh, these are all enabling factors right so it's not that a small farmer has to now uh, go and negotiate with a pepsi or a mcdonald's or a reliance fresh right they can go, go do this via fpos hmm. and uh, uh, so so that enabling mechanism was already in place and the technology provision had already come in in the budget itself i mean at least the structure of it so uh, these these announcements were just a logical series of announcements it's just that uh, whenever something happens people st- stop valuing the importance of it right so that that's how the political commentary in india unfortunately is that uh, okay you asked for ram mandir ram mandir got done so now it doesn't seem that important right i mean while the whole generation of politics was yes. uh, was actually uh, uh, you know uh, concentrated only on ram mandir uh, yeah. so i think these reforms have also become a little bit like that for the commentariat Uh, especially this week you would only have discussions on whether a ram mandir would be built or not in the coming yeah, absolutely I- ideal time to uh, not demonize a mandir itself <laughs> yeah so th- this is why we have ashish on the podcast without even knowing he is going to stumble into some historical event that this happened this week and like chalo we discuss karo <laughs> so i think ashok gulati wrote a wonderful article in may yes, saying this is yeah. a 1991 moment for agriculture it it absolutely is Uh, uh in terms of the far reaching impact the and, thing and, is impact. and with due respect to ashok gulati i i agree with him i think we also need to stop having 1991 moments maybe we need to have more 2020 2021 moments because whenever some reform is done this is like oh this is a 1991 moment yeah, yeah absolutely i think most people forget that a lot of 1991 reforms were undone in 1993 by the yes. same government but yes uh, i mean that's okay uh, <laughs> at least we made a start so pe- people always forget a uh, lot of i mean they 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 tend to remember what they they feel is right and i think that's the advantage of having these podcasts are that where you can go and question some of these assumptions which are quite popular in the general public like see again again uh, ashish unwittingly brings up that era from 91 to 93 and then talks about ram mandir also it's, it seems like everything we talk about has roots in 1993 <laughs> so but 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 before we even get into that uh, sort of the political thing the, we, we i've seen uh, uh, tweets about the farmers march by a few geopolitical analysts around the world like monty panesar yes so i i i, I and i don't know uh, i'm i'm going to share my screen and sort of show our viewers what tweets they are if you guys are listening to uh, this on soundcloud guys um you know you please you might have to check on youtube uh, and uh, you know see what was uh, what is you know going on um so uh, basically if i were to show this this is what monty panesar was talking about right basically what happens if the buyer says the contract you know will uh, cannot be fulfilled in the quality of crop and then you had uh, ruby sahota who's an mp in canada saying that she rose in the parliament to urge the indian authorities to stop violating the fundamental democratic rights i don't think the indian authorities are violating the fundamental democratic rights but there seems to be almost a um, sort of a uh, 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 and a pattern to this right a lot of a lot of people from britain and canada who seem to have been talking about a certain referendum to happen in 2020 the same lobby is specializing a lot of these voices in canada it would seem let me not attribute any motives but it would seem the same lobby is specializing these people to say something Yeah, I think uh, Ruby Sahota and Monty Panesa need to remember that Queen is no longer the head of in, uh, the the India, the country, the modern country. Yeah. Um, they they should they could have 
you know appeal to Justin to do and to Boris Johnson to take away their subsidies of of the of the farmers there, uh-huh. uh, which uh, which in fact U UK Canada US actually do have a lot of agriculture uh, agriculture subsidies which. Uh, Distort the international trade in favor of their farmers. So I think they, of course, have no clue what they're talking about. I just hope that they were. I I just hope that some of these influencers, maybe not all, but some of them were actually paid for doing what they were doing because I think that that is the only explanation of, uh, of of these tweets. Of this. Uh, but uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 fact is that uh, uh, see these are the type of events other which discredit the protests, right? I mean, I will not go as far as saying that. uh this is a khalistan protest right i think no i don't be no 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 and I, yeah i also monty, monty even doesn't talk about khalistan he says khali yeah. sepul yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the tweet from 2019 he says uh, yeah there is a lot of enthusiasm of khali sepul can khali sepul happen i tweeted about it so <laughs> yeah so uh, you know it's not to say that these are motivated by a foreign lobby but however the problem is that these lobbies do get intermingled in the protests and that kind of discredits the the whole objective right so there could be genuine issues i think what we need to remember is that no public policy will ever solve the problem 100% of all problems of a such a diverse country as ours right so there could always be some rough edges and things to be corrected and so on so uh, no issues in taking on board the right objections and fine tuning the laws to uh, make sure that the, the vulnerable sections are indeed protected and so on yeah but i think the, the moment the, you 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 start having this global brotherhood uh you know backing uh, putting trying to put international pressure on the indian government as a mark of a diplomatic uh, onslaught i think that is when things get discredited uh, i i think what what's going to happen is that even if the indian government wa- was or could have considered putting up some provisions around msp etc in a more li- in a in a more liberal way in, in the laws i think it's not going to happen now uh, with with all, with all the people hijacking I find this insane. I, I I cannot understand. Say the Black Lives Matter protests were happening in America. This I I would not have seen the Indian Parliament talk about it. Yeah, debate about it. So yeah. this is this is and this was a much bigger systemic issue that they were talking about. This is an issue to related to India and what is happening in only two states, two three major states, right? Now agreed. Those the concerns of the farmers. The government needs to go there, talk to them, and honestly, I. the government has communicated very well that is one sore point where you and i people like us have always said that oh the government must communicate better must communicate. actually they have this time communicated quite well but it almost seems to be a misinformation campaign also going in simultaneous uh, sort of thing yeah absolutely i think on, on this issue i don't agree on the uh, the objections around communication i mean the fact is that see the in india agriculture forms 15% of the gdp but about 60% of the population is dependent on agriculture right so right. we're talking about close to uh, let's say 70 crore people having something to do with agriculture in india uh, or agrarian economy right. what we are seeing is a few thousand farmers protest or few lakh people protest but that, right. that's nothing in compared to what the actual size of the economy is exactly. also the the protests are coming from states where the mandi fees were too high which actually means that the protests are fueled by not by the farmers but by by the middlemen who are who are who are taking that mandi fee and whose monopoly is going to go away right uh, in in states like gujarat or maharashtra or even mp where uh, mandis have, are very powerful but uh, the mandi fee is not irrational i mean you know the mandi fee was already rationalized to 1% 2% plus there were interstate in, intrastate mandi tra- tra- trading licenses like in karnataka or ap yeah. telangana there have been no protests because i think even understands that while interstate trade is allowed it will be a fraction of the actual trade 
what is going to happen is the farmers will still go to the mandi it's just that a part of their produce can get better price realization so i think most and, states understand there's a pragmatic view here and before someone uh, digs up our old tweet and says ha aap to gujarat maharashtra mp ki baat karoge since you represent three states yes we do but we also follow that states and other states very closely so no, this is why i think uh, i think karnataka ap telangana have had some good farm uh, changes as well <laughs> in the last few years so i think that they also done quite well in terms of facilitating yeah. the intra state movement at least so no, i think that i actually i actually got a lot of hate on this so uh, and i don't know why because i was doing a lot of these threads during the bihar election results right seven states doing by elections so i typed the first five and then the next two here now mera naseeb aisa tha that in the next tweet there was telangana and karnataka and and someone was like how can you forget karnataka we also gave 26 mps 27 i was like i know i have not forgotten just go down and you know read my tweets so <laughs> i i i i love my my love for karnataka and the cuisine of karnataka knows no bounds guys so i have actually had a reverse problem other so you know like i had tweeted a few things which the bsy government had done a fairly good stuff in karnataka mm-hmm. around liberalizing land laws and uh, right. end use of land and so on So a lot of the Gujarat BJP guys pounced on me, saying that you have a problem with the Gujarat government, but not with wow. the Karnataka government. I said, like, I mean, I have interest in neither actually per se. I was just tweeting what I found interesting, newsworthy. You know, nothing to do with the state as such. <laughs> it's it, it's for every every opinion in India, there is always a counter opinion. Of course, exactly. So as long as we are living in that, we're fine. So maybe yeah. uh, the Monty Panesars and the Ruby Salotas do need to say that we 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 are talking about democratic opinions here, guys. बट नो आई मीन आई सॉ लाइक जगमीत सिंह पार्टी उसके दो तीन एम पी सो सो मेनी ब्रिक्स एंड कनेडियंस सिख वॉइज एंड आई डोंट थिंक देर रिप्रेजेंटेटिव ऑफ द सिख वॉइज इन इंडिया so that is the most fascinating thing it's it's just that you have a small percentage say 1000 verified accounts from twitter will tweet who are not representative of the crores in india and uh, you know they will sort of get amplified and uh, barkha that found that out the hard way where she tried Correct. to interview this um, act, i don't is he an actor i don't know but he refused to condemn khalistan refused to condemn bendran wale gave some some weird context and even barkha ended up fighting with him on air exactly And, so, and Barkha got a lot of flag by other other journalists also for having huh. quote unquote exposed the movement as such. Ha, huh, exactly. It's like oh, one bad apple is going to do this and so yeah. forth. But the ultimate thing is, if these people, if the you know, if if you have people in London, Canada who are going to tweet in support of the movement, good. But then don't have dubious tweets about Khalistan because then no exactly. one is going to take you seriously, right? Because that is the, make no mistake that was a terror. You know what happened? What Bindan Wale did? That he was a terrorist. so uh, you know no doubt about that so moving on to the politics of this and then that will lead to the in the last third of the podcast as i was saying we'll go to the national politics and the impact um so it's always interesting that good economics may not necessarily be good politics at the at the time when the policies are being instrument implemented but good economics which results in jobs is always good politics so how does the modi government or any future government manage that does it means that they have the first two years to pass as many reforms as they want and reap the fruits in the next 3 years yeah so specifically on the agri reforms adit uh, i actually genuinely feel that this can be a huge moment for uh, a technology revolution plus job creation through fpos not because of the laws themselves but what was announced in the budget which is a 10000 fpos even if a fraction comes up let's say 2 3000 each of them can easily employ uh you know between 20 and 100 people depending on the size 
right. and uh, it can create downstream jobs in terms of transportation agri logistics all of that right, right. so uh, i think there's a huge uh, uh, potential there and also uh, agri tech startups can come in there in terms of the logistical basically i mean the problem is fairly simple how do you keep something uh, fresh and transported 2500 kilometers and still be uh, uh, still serve it to the to the to the buyer right so that, that that's i think the problem statement to solve on the logistics side so there could be huge innovation possible there both in the engineering domain as the, also in the technology domain so uh, as such uh, this these laws will definitely be enabling once it settles down whether it settles down in the current form or not we will know in the few weeks but uh, let's say 5 years from now we will look back and say that this was a great moment uh, so as such quite optimistic on the on the changes having said that um, if you look at the more proximate politics of punjab and Har- haryana one one issue which uh, if you look at punjab the politics is dominated by what uh, the the the, the jart six right which is about 20 25% of the population correct uh, also in Har- haryana historically the politics was dominated by the jarts and only now with the cutter government coming in we uh, bjp kind of deviated from that largely accepted path of uh, how how politics the chief minister and so forth exactly so uh, the the thing is that uh, it is also a moment where uh, all like like look, look at punjab if you look at uh, sad congress aap all parties are reliant on the same lobby of about which is only 25% of the population but controls the state in a very very uh, you know strong way i mean they have a very tight grip on the state politics policies all of that hmm. so uh, it may also result in a counter polarization in that sense which is hmm. that the uh, the hindu uh, punjabi hindu voters of maharashtra of sorry of, of punjab of uh, uh, and also of uh, Uh, I mean, the other Sikh voters who are not really in the power. I mean, who really not tasted power as such. Yeah. Uh, they they will all they can all also counter galvanize in in other yeah. direction and the yeah. other direction right now is BJP. And then you also have a lot of Dalit population in, yeah. uh, in Punjab and who are not particularly on the same terms as the Jat Sikhs who have no. been ruling Punjab. So there is within the Sikh community also there is a caste divide, so to speak. Yeah. and i mean i was saying that the, even in maharashtra this has this has happened where bjp has suffered because the fact is they they were never able to break the maratha politics hmm. and of course that is how they have not won the state in the uh, in, in in the local elections i mean in the yeah. in the assembly elections so i think the same issue has been there in punjab and haryana but now in those states maybe there's a counter polarization possible because of this uh, protest yeah. and in uh, maharashtra it's in maharashtra it's interesting because in what uh, 60 years since the formation of the state 1960 the only 10 years when non uh, non exactly. congress government has be, have been power yeah. 95 to 99 sena bjp and 2014 yeah. to 2019 uh, bjp abhi bhi sena power mein hai to congress ke sath hai so right. that is the that is sort of the thing what uh, ashish was yeah. talking about and as that government completes one year and you have another different government in bihar with an ascendant bjp it's a very strange conundrum which we are entering into the um, uh, india in the elections because the next five states are very crucial to uh, check how has the bjp expanded so to speak right or uh, or reaffirm the 2019 findings where they did a spectacular performance in west bengal where they matched tmc essentially you know uh, i think bjp got 18 seats and tmc got uh, 20 or 22 i forget uh, the final number so um, almost there about so can they match that performance in bengal in the 2021 assembly elections then it's assam can they come back to power tamil nadu where they are in alliance with admk where they did very bad in the lok sabha can they reverse that in the vidhan sabha and then you know kerala 
where uh, the BJP has always seemed to have the 10-12% vote, but never been able to cross that threshold of 15. Last time they won their first Vidhan Sabha. So what is your sort of uh, analysis? Of course, uh, in the weeks to come, we'll do a detailed podcast on the states, but I just want to get the overview as we head into the uh, elections. Right. So let's look at these uh, name by name. I think Bengal, obviously, BJP is going all out with the assumption that it would be able to dislodge the TMC government. A, Sorry? Without one face. Like, I don't oh, think yeah, absolutely. Face. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, Kalash Rijavargia uh, has helmed the campaign quite strongly. He's the National General Secretary in charge of the campaign. Uh, uh, and I think the, the way politics is shaping up in Bengal, I mean, of course, there'll be a, the Bihar elections will certainly play a role there because uh, in, in several of the adjoining, the, the areas where the, in the borders are nearby or adjoined, etc., there. There's a lot of influence of the uh, Bihari voters per se, right? So uh, that was also seen in the uh, in the in the Lok Sabha yeah. itself. But um, uh, the the seats which adjoin uh, these other states, uh, mm. I think that the, the, the BJP will try to essentially capture that area yeah. very very strongly. And uh, uh, it clearly appears that BJP has gone all out uh, in in terms of the campaign, in terms of the mm. Uh, ground mobilization because Bengal is not a state which runs on social media, etc. It's, it's a very uh, ground level politics there. So I think all of that, the party seems to be quite well entrenched and and uh, very confident about. Yeah. Uh, Assam is interesting because um, both uh, uh, Sonowal and uh, Himanta Biswa Sarma have been uh, very strong in their in their personal uh, uh, roles which have been given to them, mm-hmm. and with the uh, demise of uh, Gogoi. Congress also is, doesn't have a very strong leader per se in the state, right? Like who's going to uh, be at the helm of the uh, affairs there. Right. So that is also, a, so I think the BJP should fancy its chances to retain the state. I mean, of course, there are issues pertaining to the ethnicities and and, and the laws, etc. And some bit of, uh, let's say, a variance between what the center wants nationally versus what the uh, BJP voters of Assam want for Assam. But I think nationally, the objectives are the same. Right. But I mean, how how is that contradiction managed for the state? That would kind of determine the outcome, I, I guess, for the next election. Yeah. TN and Kerala uh, are like, uh, you know, what, as the Australian cricket team described, final frontiers uh, when it comes to India. Uh, I think for BJP, those two yeah, states... Yeah, is, is is the Australia-India ka example mat diya karo. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the very wrong week to be example. <laughs> Yeah, no, I like, like I tweeted, no, we, we we have improved between first and second ODI better than Australia. So hopefully we will win one of the T20s, maybe. No, but here is the problem. No, we have improved, but Australia has also improved by 60. No, 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 we, we improved by more than them. I, I did a Congress type analysis of how, how, how the improvements happened. Said, so, you, you did what Chidambaram did in 2017 Gujarat. We have improved by seat, our seats by four. And uh, BJP is down by two. So Vinod Mehta uh, said on uh, times now that by this logic, you will win your election in 2134. 20, <laughs> <So. laughs> exactly. So I, I predict one, one T20 win potentially uh, in, in, in the later in the series. But later, uh, I, getting back to TN and Kerala, Sorry, I, think, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the party, I mean, BJP probably will try to look at winning some seats, potentially, mm. let's say five seats. But mm. even that seems like an uphill task at this stage. Correct. Of course, in Tamil Nadu, there's an alliance with ADMK. So if that alliance stays, then things could be a little different. Hmm. Hmm. But uh, Kerala certainly is very difficult. I think the, the idea should be to see if the party can actually get, get 15% vote at all. And if not, then, uh, you know, 
uh, that probably will get deprioritized in the scheme of things. But the most important election, other than going on right now as we speak, as we record this, hmm. which is in uh, Hyderabad, the the GSA, GHMC poll is is uh, people are voting right now with the results on fourth, yeah. and uh, that would be a very interesting election because uh, after the bipolar win of BJP in the Dubaka seat, uh, uh, TRS basically. Advance the GHMC poll. These are not on EVMs. These are local polls. So state decides and state election election commission decides. And this is a poll, a poll on ballot paper. Ballot and paper. even if even with that, if BJP let's say gets thirty percent vote um, and a few seats, uh, it would actually be very interesting uh, in, in terms of how Telangana shapes up. I think that is the next state to watch out for in terms of the yeah. one thing was that I think KCR was planning to be kingmaker in king in perpetuity in Telangana when uh, it was formed yeah. you know, in twenty fourteen. And what I think they were expecting is okay, at least we'll get an uninterrupted rule of fifteen twenty years or something like that. And what has happened is that in the second term itself, I mean, he had to he advanced the elections by six months. In 2019, so as to not for it, them not to happen with the Lok Sabha, because yep. he sort of felt that what happened in Odisha might happen in uh, Telangana, where people might at least in Lok Sabha might vote for B. Ultimately, that did happen with four Lok Sabha seats going to BJP. So yep. um, it's interesting. Uh, I'm going to do a very shameless plug here, but Sudhir Kumar has done a fantastic analysis on this uh, on GHMC poll, which. Um, uh, which I, uh, ironically, the MP I was talking about, Dharmapuri Arvind, he he had something to say on that piece as well, uh, agreeing what KCR has done. And 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 uh, Suresh Kochitil did an analysis on the Dubaka Assembly poll, and why it is crucial is they BJP was not expecting, not expected to do well, but they ended up get, winning it by 10, 11,000 votes. So it was not even like about 500 votes ki jit ho It was still a narrow right. win, but still by a sizable chunk. Yeah. Uh, so Absolutely. something that Mr. Uh, uh, you know, a certain American politician could not claim anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, uh, those those jokes aside, uh, coming to sort of the last part of it all is the national picture, right? It, it, it is no doubt that the BJP is in uh, the ascendance nationally, but are we now, if they were to do not as good in Bengal or Tamil Nadu or Kerala, are we to see now that split verdicts are going to be more and more common uh, in the months to come? Because then the BMT polls happen, the Delhi elections, everything. Yeah, looks like, right? I mean, the, the voters seem to be making a differentiation, distinction between uh, the center and the state. Also, the issues seem very different. I think yeah. the, the tendency of using national issues for state polls, uh, potentially, uh, I mean, of course, the parties still do that, but uh, I, I don't think it will, uh, people are much swayed by that beyond a point. Uh, people do want to talk about uh, the issues which impact them. I think people do understand where the state government is now playing a role, which also, by the way, means that the accountability for the states will have to go up. Uh, like the, the a, a real popular CM will actually have to do some work. Hmm. And prove that they've done the work uh, to to get the votes the next time because uh, people seem to be very clear. Of course, if we go to this one nation one election thing, which the prime minister has been talking about, which I, I I'm guessing will effectively mean one nation two elections, two election cycles, like what it happens in the U.S. where yeah. there's a there's a uh, you know presidential election plus uh, uh, one set of seats, and then of course there's a midterm type of a thing. Hmm. So I'm guessing that that is what the structure India wants to align with eventually. Um, but I think it, it, it could be quite interesting because then the midterm polls will become the the barometer for popularity of both the center and the state governments. Right. Mm-hmm. And that could be the right structure. Maybe if not, maybe if not one poll, two or three iterations is what India is headed towards. 
yeah i think it's a good thing overall uh, where you also have the balance of anti incumbency showing up uh, uh, not just relying yeah. on one one election only at the same time say uh, you know saving on cost money effort all of that yeah because i i so i don't support per se just one nation one poll but if you are talking about a us level system where you have one day or one month a year where every all the elections take place i would support that because that would also mean that we are not in campaign mode all the time we can actually get into governance mode yeah so uh, absolutely but uh, you know in, in the the last my last question to you ashish is going to be in you know in this um, how do you see the reforms moving forward you know coming back to sort of completing the circle on the whole reforms bit uh, economic reforms do you think that it's going to require because we saw in the land acquisition bill the first few months the modi government tried to push it the one point in 2014 and it didn't go through and they sort of have abandoned any ideas of introducing that do you see anything like that coming if they would do win these assembly polls see um, my my sense is that at this stage the government is far too popular and uh, powerful in the in the both houses of parliament hmm. to actually back down i mean they are at 200 the 302 uh, 303 lok sabha seats then rajya sabha 93 bjp members plus a few more seats will come for by polls yeah. etc due to the deaths of different people so bjp plus a few few other parties can easily get to 110 which is like the half way mark effectively generally i mean 122 is there but rajya sabha is also never completed so let's say they can easily get 110 115 votes in rajya sabha also so uh, i don't see any major climb down from here happening on any bills in fact the land bill is probably the like the 2004 election for bjp supporters uh, the fact is that that is the only time BJ, the government has backed down and that is also because uh, the uh, uh, you know there was no majority in the in the in the rajya sabha mm-hmm. then right so there was no point in pursuing it in 2014 mm-hmm. and now with the policies about land pooling etc government has already bypassed it in the sense that it has asked it has delegated that task to states saying you you create the land pools and we will right. essentially promote it Rather than central government trying to adjudicate uh, every land acquisition per se, Absolutely. but people still hold it as an example because that is the only time government has actually backed down. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, there's no other contrast available. So I would say that well, you know, a good number of tough reforms or tough bills have already passed since mm. then. So there's no reason why uh, they, they will back down on the agriculture bill definitely. Mm. There could be some enabling provisions around, uh, you know, how the contracts are structured and how they are. Uh, let's say uh, what is the uh, remedial mechanism for uh, dispute resolution some of those changes may become more let's say friendlier to the states in, in uh, potentially in, in that context but i, I don't see the, the structure of the bills changing from here on um, and not just that i think there's a lot more which is to come i mean the budget is just two months away uh, hmm. first of all in fact uh, exactly two months away from 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 today uh there there could be many more things which might come in the budget itself uh in in, in, yeah. in terms of the changes so yeah. the reform momentum will continue should continue uh and i hope the government finally looks at a uh fiscal imp- uh you know uh, uh impetus for the salaried class which is essentially the sore point has been so far so uh, to, sum- to, yeah. to to summarize what ashish was saying that the cake is there how much share reduce, reduce my taxes in, in simple in simple terms reduce the taxes ha <laughs> no no the, the the cake is there on the table how much icing and how much how many cherries the government puts maybe we'll know in the next couple of months yeah i mean the the, the salary class is only about let's say 8 10 crores in india but they're also yeah. the most local people on on twitter facebook etc so you you think that nothing has happened because their personal income tax slab has not gone down so basically that that's where the problem is yeah. 
So there you go. Uh, if 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 the powers to be are listening, maybe a reduction of income tax is always <laughs> on the agenda. But now Ashish has put that in no uncertain terms. But before you go, Ashish, any recommendations you have for our uh, listeners, viewers, you know, for them what to see, what to listen to? Yeah, no, I've been reading this book, uh, The India Way, by India's uh, Foreign Minister, Dr. S. J. Shankar. Right. Uh, very nicely articulated. Actually, it's a very nice book in the current times to understand, especially with the onslaught of uh, British and Canadian celebrities and parliamentarians on, on, on Indian democracy. I think it's a good book to understand how the government today, today, today thinks about some of these issues and how they are prepared for some of it also, uh, not getting too overwhelmed by, by these opinions. Um, so I, uh, I, I would highly recommend reading this book. Absolutely. My recommendation would be a different book I just finished reading. Uh, it's about on Indian spinners. My, I think uh, uh, Anindya Datta or something. I f- I'm forgetting the author. From, from, from the media or from cricket? <laughs> it's a good point. From cricket. No, these okay. are the actual spinners that we enjoy watching. <laughs> not the ones we enjoy uh, critiquing. Let's put it that way. Uh, well, maybe we enjoy critiquing the spinners too. But basically, it starts from the Palvankar Ballu, who was one of the first Indian spinners and a most fascinating story that he was a Dalit in there where he was not, uh, you know, initially uh, allowed in uh, certain places to where he ended up leading a team that was sort of led by, like at that time it was completely dominated by Brahmins. It was a very interesting sort of thing what happened to Anil Kumble, R. Ashwin, Yuzvendra Chahal and all that, how the sort of, uh, uh, you know, things left. Of course, there is a little bit of uh, the author's, uh, you know, political lens or something, but if you just look past it, it's a fantastic uh, book which recounts the history of Indian cricket. And uh, for anyone who's from Mumbai, Maharashtra, you'll absolutely love it because he just goes into the detail of how the Mumbai pentagonal was happening and, you know, the history of Mumbai cricket, what Gavaskar's role was and uh, you know so forth so 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 do read that and maybe our current indian cricketers have got to read because looking at those performances in australia it looks pretty bad right now <laughs> and, uh, and and yeah so that that is one and the second my book would be uh, watch there is a series that abp news did in 2014 called pradhan mantri where they actually did uh, sort of from decades and critical events Watch those uh, events that happened in uh, 91 and 98, like because we've given a lot of references, and then Vajpayee's speech in 1996 and what it did and why it came. So, from there, if you come to here, Indian democracy has only gotten stronger and we've come a long way. So, maybe the MPs doubt, raising doubts on that in Canada ought to, ought to watch these series to see how stronger Indian democracy is than where it was 30 years ago. So, so, so do watch it. But thank you so much, Ashish, for joining us this week. It was a pleasure. Great having you always. Thanks, Adar. Thanks for having me. Yeah, pleasure. And you guys, please like us, follow us, you know, on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back uh, very soon with more. Uh, Thank you.